welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. But if you have a Bible, Psalm 127 has been our anchor text that we've been preaching from and looking at, and we're in a sermon series on parenting. And so we're wanting to understand how God, uh, one, how God parents us. We want to parent our kids. We want to be fathers and mothers in the way that God is a father to us and uh, the way that he has a mother's heart toward us. And so we want to connect with our kids the way God connects with us. Um, But we also want to do that the way that scripture teaches us, right? And so uh, in Psalm 127, this has been our anchor text. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder's labor in vain. So you're building your own home. You're, if you're doing it without God, you're wasting your time. Uh, and that's what scripture says. You need God. You need God to be involved in this. Anybody here need God in their, their homes? Yeah. yeah, I need him. And so it says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the ones who guard it stand and watch in vain. So the same principles for your home are true for a country, for America. We need God in our country. Uh, They watch in vain. In vain, he says, you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he, God, grants sleep to those that he loves. I love that. Uh, If you're lacking sleep, if you need sleep, uh, he grants sleep to those he loves. And sleep here is not just the ability to um, close your eyes and, and go to sleep. It's rest. He grants rest. He gives rest to people. And so what happens is you can build a home, but if there's no rest in your heart, then there's a restlessness about all of your efforts. If you can build a country and if there's no rest, if there's turmoil going on, what God does is he grants rest. And so I just pray that just right now over every single one of us that we would experience the peace of God in our homes That it's not because we're the best parents in the world. It's not because we've made all the right decisions, but because God grants or gives undeserved and unearned rest to his people. Um, Man, so I receive that. Uh, He grants rest to those. And then it says, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring is a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. That's what we've been talking about. Arrows in the hands of a warrior. Our kids are like arrows. And so um, that means our kids are like arrows. That means parents, God sees parents as warriors. (laughs) And so I'm thankful for all of our warrior parents here who get up and fight every single day. And I want to give you some weapons. I want to give you some skills. I want to, I want to upskill you a little bit over the next few weeks on, on, on how to do what God has called you to do and do it uh, better. Do it the way God's called you to do it. Uh, I love last week that Pastor Rocky could step in here and preach for me. And uh, he preached on the fact that if you're a mother, you're called by God to be a mother. And I love that uh, because if God's called you, that means God will equip you. That's not true of moms, that's true of dads too. If you're you're a dad in here, you're called by God to be a dad. And if God's called you, he'll equip you. 
And if God's called you, even in spite of your mistakes, even in spite of your failings, God can redeem all of those mistakes and God can make up for it. So, man, I love that message last night and, and or not last night, last week uh, that Pastor Rocky preached and uh, just having all the moms come forward, we could pray over them and, and even just spend some time. I think there was some reconciliation happening between kids and moms and uh, between grown kids and grown, you know, in moms. And it's just, there's, there's, this, there's an amount of forgiveness that we have to extend to each other. Come on, somebody. Amen. All right. Well, anyway, uh, you got to extend some, you got to give some grace to people. And um, that's because this is a calling by God, which means you can't do it in your own strength, which means none of this, none of this sermon series is something that you can do in your own strength. And, and just in case you're wondering if this applies to you, if you're not a parent, you don't have any kids, it absolutely applies to you because one, you are a child. Uh, you are a child of God. Um, you're, you need to understand who your heavenly father is. And so this is part of our journey in this sermon series that like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are children in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And so not only are your children like arrows uh, in, in, in your hands, but you are like an arrow in God's hand. You are a child of God. He is taking you, he is shaping you, he is sharpening you, he is balancing you, and he is releasing you into the destiny that he created you for. Um, that's, and that's our whole sermon series right there. So uh, the first step, which I preached about a couple weeks ago, is we have to take our kids. We, a warrior in those days, wouldn't you don't go to Cabela's to get your arrow. You go and you take the arrow. You go into the woods and you find a branch and you, 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 with intentionality, you take a particular branch that's going to work for a particular purpose. And you have to break it away from where you found it. You have to break it away from its natural uh, place. And this is what we all have to do. That if you're a Christian parent, if you're a parent who, who loves God, then you are a missionary. And the mission field is your living room. <laughs> the mission field, because your very own kids are pagans. They're far from God. We're all born far from God. So it's our job to help our kids get saved, to lead them to the cross. And so that's what we talked about. You have to break them away from where they naturally are, their natural bent, their natural inclination, their natural ways of thinking, the natural man that is, that is right here. You have to help them break away from that. And so the way that we talked about doing that is through authority, is by taking authority in your own home. And the kind of authority we need to take is not an authoritative authority, and it's not an absent authority. It's the kind of authority that, that God is. God is a kind, gentle, empowering authority. And I know that first message when I preached that, some of you were like, man, that's not me. I can't, I can't, I don't know how to do that. Um, well, guess what? I believe that you can do that. I believe that by God's grace, you have the power to become the kind of authority God's called you to be. Not because you're amazing, but because your heavenly father is kind, is gentle, is loving, and is empowering. And he is walking alongside of you. Can I get an amen from anybody who can at least, at least if you don't believe that, maybe if that sounds good, I'll try to believe that. I'll just reach out for that. And so today I want to look at the next step. We, we take our kids, we take our arrows, right? And then we shape our arrows. We shape the arrow. So the, a warrior would take an arrow and he would begin um, shaving off parts of the branch that don't fit in alignment with its purpose. 
He begins shaving off parts of the branch that the branch thinks are natural to it, that the branch thinks are a part of it, that it might even have mistaken it for its identity, but, but the, the warrior knows the purpose of the arrow, so he will shave off parts of the arrow that are growing in the wrong direction. Parts of the arrow, because ultimately what will happen if the arrow isn't straight, it won't fly straight. Right? And when we release our kids, we want them to not go like this. We want them to not go like this or like this. Right? I think Proverbs says, don't, my, my son, don't step off to the right or to the left. Keep your eyes straight on the path. In other words, there's a plan that God has for you, and God wants you to direct all of your life, all of your energy in that particular direction. And not waste your time trying this and meandering over there and wandering over there. But God has a particular plan for you. And God has a particular plan for your kids. And God wants us to shape our kids. And actually, I, don't, I, I really can't get through shaping just today. Um, so I think it's going to be a two-part series. There's, there's really two main ways that we shape our kids. One is through shaping influences. And, and, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Is the shaping influences that help shape um, our children, and really, if you don't have children today, the shaping influences that help you uh, bring out the God destiny in the people around you. That even if you don't have children, but you are a manager of a store, or you're an employee, or you're, you go to school somewhere, there are people around you, and God wants you to help them find their God-given destiny, their calling. And so no matter where you are in life, you need to be influencing the culture that you live in. You need to be influencing the neighborhood that you live in. You need to be influencing, which by the way, I didn't even mean to, for this to, be a, this to be a commercial, but here in my wallet, uh, we got these cards right here. These just came in this week. All right, it says City Chapel on the front, and then on the back, there's a big QR code. It says scan this for more information. We have a whole box full of like, I don't know, 2,000 of them over here on the hospitality table. So at the end of service, you get some coffee. Moms, get your mugs if you didn't get them last week. And then pick up one of these to put in your wallet so that as you're talking to people and as you're getting your hair cut and as you're getting your nails done or whatever, as you're talking to people, it, that an, an opportunity arises for you to influence them in a Godward direction. You can whip out the card and say, look, how about you scan this? There's some sermons on the website. There's some stuff. You can always visit our church. I'm, I'm, t I'm telling you, we need to start shaping the people around us. And the great way to start is just with our own kids, is to begin shaping our own kids, working on as a warrior would take an arrow and begin shaping them and shaving off bits that are not connected to their destiny, bits that are not connected to their purpose. That's what God's calling us to do. And I believe that you can do it, not because you're awesome, but because your heavenly father is a warrior who is taking you into his hands and he is shaving off parts of you that are not in alignment with your destiny. He's getting rid of ways of thinking that are not aligned with where you're going. He's getting rid of ways of reacting that are not in alignment with your calling. He's cutting away from your life and from your thoughts and from your emotions and from your habits things that are distracting and detracting you from your purpose. 
And so this is what he wants to do as a parent. He wants to shave and sharpen and shape you so that you fly in the purpose of your destiny. And if you are a parent today, part of your destiny is to raise up these young kids and to release their God-given purpose. And so I want to talk about this, this shaping, uh, this shaping of the children today. But, but really, I, I want to take it from a little different angle. I want to look at Proverbs chapter 31. Um, Pastor Rocky touched on Proverbs 31 last week. Um, actually, I didn't read any of Proverbs 31. He just mentioned Proverbs 31. That's a good chapter. Um, and it is. And so now today we're going to jump into a little bit why it's a good chapter. Uh, we're going to look at verse 19. If you have a Bible, turn to uh, Proverbs 31 verse 19. If not, it's on the screen. And I think it's on, yeah, we got lots of screens around here. So anyway, it's over here. It's over there. And Proverbs 31 is talking about, it's really written by a man to a man. So you look at the beginning of Proverbs 31, uh, it's written to a son. He says, my son. And so it's written by a man to a man. So this is not written to women. Most, most people think that this is written to women to tell them how they should behave. This is actually written to men to tell them what to look for. <laughs> um, so that's just this is what it is. And by the way, it does have a lot to say about this particular woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. But she is not a singular woman. This is, these are character qualities that are important in any woman. So if you're single today, if you're a teenager, look, this is the kind of woman you need to look for. If you are a female, this is the kind of woman that God's calling you to be. But it's not just directed to women because this is the word of God. Therefore, God writes his word to all of his children, right? So there's application for all of us. And I just want to point out that if Proverbs 31 is written to women, Proverbs 1 through 30... <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a lot of male uh, instructions in Proverbs 1 through 30. So ladies, you get one chapter. Guys, you get the other 30. And you need to check those out, okay? They're not, it's not simple. It's not, following God is not easy, but it's worth it. It's not natural. It doesn't come natural, but it's worth it. He asks us, he cuts off parts of us, not because he wants to steal things from us, but because he wants to shape us so that we fly in the direction of what is most fulfilling for us. So this word here is not like, all right, ladies, you're doing it all wrong. No, this word is like, look, this is how you can fly in the direction of your God-given destiny. You shave off some of these things. So anyway, check this out. Verse 19 is an interesting portion. It begins, well, uh, technically it begins a little bit sooner, but this is a part of a, a real theme in Proverbs chapter 31. It says, in her hand, in this lady's hand, in this woman's hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get back to that. Um, verse 21 says, when it snows... She has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed, and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Go on to verse 23. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Verse 25 says she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Do you see the... You see, the common theme here is talking about clothes. So when I was young, I'd read this passage and I would think, okay, well, 
God wants me to look for a woman who knows how to make her own clothes. Because obviously she's making her clothes. She's making clothes for her kids. She's making clothes for her husband. She's making her bedspread. I just bought a duvet while Ro was gone to New Zealand. I thought this is a great time to do a little remodeling because she's gone. She can't say, I don't like that color. I don't, I don't know. This is a good color. I think this is great. So anyway, she can't. And I, no, it was just to serve her. She comes home, brand new bedroom. Anyway, isn't that so nice of me? I was so thoughtful. Um, it's true. It's true. So anyway, you know, I was thought, oh, well, she's making her bed covering. She's, she's making all of these clothes. And it sounds like she's just busy making clothes until you get to this path. This verse here in verse 25 says she is clothed with strength and dignity. So obviously this isn't just talking about, you know, stuff you can buy at H&M. This isn't just talking about jeans and t-shirts. She is clothed with strength and dignity. I, I believe that this passage is talking much more than just about clothes. In other words, ladies, God's not calling you to make your own clothes. Um, it's okay to shop at H&M. It's okay to go to Forever 21, all right? You're not Forever 21, but the store is. And so it's okay, right? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You can, you, can, you can buy your clothes. But this idea of creating something out of nothing, this is the key. To create, to be a mom or to be a dad means that we are creators. We are inventors. We are imaginating new things. I don't think that's a word. I created it. That's what you do. You, you, you spin things from raw material into purposeful, useful things. She, if we go back to that first verse, verse 19, it says that in, in one hand she, she holds a distaff and in her other hand she's got the spindle in her fingers. Now when I read that, I was like, I don't even know what that's talking about. Except a spindle, I guess I've seen Sleeping Beauty. Like, I know what that is, right? Like, uh, Sleeping Beauty touches it, she falls under the, the witch's spell. I'm like, okay, so I sort of know. So I guess this is some reference to like a sewing machine, an ancient sewing machine of some sort. And, and, and but as I started studying it, I, I realized that yes, it is kind of a reference to sort of an ancient sewing machine, but there's a lot of uh, figurative language going on here. He's drawing a picture for us, and that picture is of a woman with a distaff on one side, and the distaff is basically a stick with some wood bits on top that make it a bit bigger and they have flax and they have flax wrapped around the top of the stick and it's like this big poofy sort of flax plume I suppose that's a five dollar word and it's sort of just stuffed up there and then the spindle is over here on the other side and it's this thin thing that you wrap the yarn around and so I don't know anything about sewing or anything. But as I was reading about this, it became very clear to me that in pagan cultures and in ancient pagan cultures, almost many of the goddesses of those cultures would be holding a spindle or a distaff. Because there was almost a magical connotation to it. Because obviously it's not magic, it's science, right? You, you take, you grow flax, you go through this whole three to four month process, you produce flax, and then you start spinning it and twisting it and pulling it and all that. It's very scientific and it all works. But it's almost magical in the way that you take a, a mess 
of weeds and turn it into linen, which is one of the softest materials. And so there's a sense, there's a very sense in which uh, this shaping process that we do with our kids, this thing that this woman, this mother is doing, is magical. There's a sense in which we are, as parents, we are magicians. And I, now, I, I know, it's not like dark magic, Pastor Harry's talking about man. All right, stop getting weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> Let's keep Austin weird, but not you, all right? Don't be weird. Don't be, like, this is a biblical uh, picture that he's painting. And he's painting it in a way that his culture would have understood because almost all pagan goddesses had these things because it was seen as almost like this power that they had to create something out of nothing. And I would say, obviously, it's not magic. It's anointing that God gives parents, moms and dads, he gives them special power to create. And we often discount that because our culture says it takes a village, right? (laughs) But no, no, God says it takes a warrior. It takes a parent who has special power to create. In other words, your words have power. When you say something over your children, it's far more powerful. Pastor Harry can preach for years and yell at them and shout and pound the keyboard like I do. And, uh, and, 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 and it won't get through. But in one little conversation in the living room, you can whisper a truth and the power, the anointing, the magic of that moment. People stand back and say, how did, how, I don't understand. How did that work? Several times I've taken Madden or Micah into the bedroom and we've sat down and worked magic in that room just talking about what's going on. And I'm not saying it's real magic. I'm saying that the power of God from the outside can look like magic. Can look like, wow, what in the, what, that, that doesn't, like, that does, he's not that smart. Um, she's not that capable. Um, how did, how did they, how are they doing that? Because, because many, some of us are teachers here, and we, we handle other people's kids all the time. And you don't have that power in other people's kids' lives. You don't have that anointing in other people's kids' lives. But mom and dad, when you start speaking over your children, there is a divine anointing magic that starts happening. And, 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 and even if your kids are grown, when you pray over your kids, there's a divine anointing on those prayers I just wish Pastor Harry would come pray for my kids. Man, if you pray for your kids, Pastor Harry has anointing to do certain things, but you have a greater anointing to pray over your kids, to have breakthrough for your kids, to break yokes of bondage over your kids. You say, well, I don't pray like, like, like they pray, and I don't say, you don't have to. When you have magic, when you have power, when you have anointing, any old thing that just mumbles out, it works. <laughs> Right? Like, you don't have to have a full grasp of the, of the Greek lexicon. Like, you don't have to fully understand the Hebrew and how that interacts with, 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 the, with the Septuagint of the Old Testament and various literature. Like, God didn't call Pastor Harry to pastor your kids. God called you to speak into your children, and he's anointed you, and he's empowered you. And I'll be happy to try. And this is, the, like, this is, this is the thing. A lot of parents come to me, and they're like, man, my, my, my kid's going crazy. I need you to do something. I'm like, I, I, I'll try. I'll give it my best. But I'm telling you, like, my best is like this compared to your worst. 
you just barely trying is the same as me giving it everything I got. And that's true with your kids. It's also true in your marriage. So many times wives come to church and like my husband, he's not really, I just, I, I just need a good men's group so that he'll start following God. But this is not, this is not what scripture says. Scripture speaks to wives and says, look, look, wives, if you start having a, a, a what was it, a, a humble and, and, and submissive spirit, a, a quiet and gentle spirit, that was it, that's what Peter says in 1 Peter, a quiet and gentle spirit that it, 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 it may win over your husband's. And God never says that to pastors. Pastors, have a quiet and gentle spirit and you'll win over your, all, all the men in your church will love God. No, like you have a special anointing to speak to your husband, to love your husband to a place of salvation that I don't have. I got revelation. I'll, I'll open up the word. We'll get excited about it. I'll show him the clear path. I'll try to motivate him. And he'll look at me and go, eh, we'll see. But you, when you open your mouth, when you live your life, when you, not, you, don't, you don't even have to know a whole lot, but when you just speak, you have magic. You create things out of nothing. And some of you are looking at me like, I don't have any magic. Like, I've been trying. And it's like my wand's broke. I don't, I don't know. My prayer, my prayer wand isn't working right. No, man, I believe that you can do it not because you're awesome, but because you're Heavenly Father. <laughs> Your heavenly father has been working magic with you. Your heavenly father has taken the mess that is you and he is weaving out of that mess a miraculous story. He is weaving out of that craziness a miracle. He is taking out of nothing. He is doing for you what counselors couldn't do and what therapists tried to do and what your parents tried to do and what your church you grew up in tried to do. All of that stuff compared to one moment of magic anointing with the Holy Spirit is, is, is not, it doesn't add up. And he speaks to you and it becomes real. And he shows up and you feel it and you know it in your heart. That in you, which means God is empowering you to do that for those around you. God is empowering you to take just impactful moments. And I know I'm talking abstractly about a spindle and a distaff. And so it's hard for you to understand. So I did get some pictures. If we can put those up, I think we have three. If we go to the first one first, um, this one has been um, dramatically altered for you to see uh, the circles, <laughs> what we're talking about. This lady here, um, it's, it's, she's in her left hand there is the distaff. And it's a stick. You see, she kind of wedges it between her um, arm and her side holds it out like that. Sometimes they would stick it in the ground as well. If they're sitting in, in the dirt, they would stick. That's the distaff, and that's the kind of clump of, of, of flax that you see on top there. By the way, flax is just, it's, it's, it's just a weed to me. I don't know much about it. But like, I know people eat flax seed, um, and they make stuff out of flax seed, but flax looks to me like a weed. It grows about three foot high, and uh, it's green. It has little purple flowers on the end. And uh, I, I found on YouTube, maybe I'll share this in our, in, our, in our Facebook group, but I found on YouTube these two ladies that started, they, they're, they're making linen from like ancient practices. It's really interesting. It's a half hour video of how this whole thing works. It's intense. 
Like, it's labor-intensive. It's really intense. So basically, you grow this flax. You grow it, like, in the same field as you would wheat, and uh, you, have to, you have to harvest it. There's only, the roots are only a few inches deep. You harvest it um, when it's starting to get brown at the, at, the, at, at the top. It's still green at the bottom, brown at the top. The, uh, the flowers have died. The seeds are on the top. And so then you harvest, you pull out, and you have to scrape off all of the seeds, all these big seeds. I, my allergies were working up just watching this video. You know, she's like, all right, so there's these like nail things, like this bed of nails, and you like rip it through that to rip off the seeds, and then you pick up all the seeds, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to like, I, I need some Claritin or something, because it's, it's just all this dry, you know, weeds, and she's just knocking off all the seeds, and then you lay it out, like in a, in a, in a, in a dry environment where you, there's no rivers, you would have to lay it out um, for about three months, and every day you have to flip it, because it's called dewing. You let it, you let it soak in the dew, and then you flip it so the other side can soak in a dew, and you flip it so the other side can soak in a dew. And so the idea is it has to really soak, like really, really, really soak. And then when it gets close, every day you're going to go up and bend it, and you want it to bend so that it doesn't snap. If it snaps, then it's not dude enough. <laughs> it's not soft enough if it snaps. And so you throw that piece away, and then you come back the next day, and you, and it, you want it to start bending so that the fibers start to spread apart, almost like, um, it, it, it looks almost like when you have um, uh, corn on the cob and those fibers on the inside of the corn on the cob. Um, that's what I'm used to. So it looks kind of like very thin fibers. You have to spread it so that it gets very thin. And when that happens, now, if you leave it too long, it'll get, it'll get mushy and those fibers will just break. And then you have to throw everything away, and it's really unfortunate. So for three months, you're flipping these things every single day, and you finally come back. It's like, all right, the fibers are starting to spread. When the fibers start to spread, you take it, and you have to beat it. So they would have this, this wooden like, two, like, instrument where it would like, crush it, and it would crack off all the hard bits and crack and crack and crack and crack. And then you would take like this metal brush thing, and you almost brush off the, the outer portion of the, of the weed so that you have just the thin fiber. Now it looks almost like human hair. And that's kind of what you end up there, that white stuff. It's fluffy. It's, it's a bunch of teeny, teeny, tiny little strands, almost like angel hair kind of, like just, just, just tiny strands. And then, and then you wrap it around that stick, and that's the distaff. And, and there you can see, you can see her hand, her, her left hand, she's pulling from the, that clump. She's looking for individual fibers, like two or three individual fibers, and she's twisting them. They would usually have a little cup of water next to them because you know, the water helps, helps, it, helps it get softer again. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, flax is very strong. It's actually, I think linen is one of the strongest fabrics even today because it's made from flax, and flax is so strong. See, we don't often think, we think of that we're wearing our label, like H&M or Gucci or whatever, but you're actually wearing plants. I don't know if you realize that. Like, you're, you're wearing stuff that grew right out there, you know what I'm saying? And so, so what happens is you're, 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 she's, she's looking for those, those strands, and she's connecting them. She's weaving them together. She's twisting them, and then she's stretching with the spindle. She's stretching it out and she's twisting them and then she's rolling it up with the spindle. She's rolling it and she's creating yarn. The yarn she's then going to use to sew. So if we go to, to the next picture, there's another picture that kind of shows that stretching process. You can see there as uh, an older lady and she's, she's got a much bigger uh, spindle. She's got a lot on that spindle. But this is kind of where you would want to end up. You want to have this whole spindle uh, full of uh, strong, solid 
yarn. If we can go on to the next slide, I kind of like, like this one where the distaff is a little different. It's like a flat board that um, they've tied the, the flax to. But on, on the left side, that, that, that lady is doing the, the spinning. Um, and then on the right side, the other lady is doing sewing with the new, with, with, with the new threads that they're, that they're creating. And I thought this was just such an interesting picture. Because, because really what you're doing, you're, you're creating like something out of nothing. There's this, there's this bundle of nothing, and then you're creating something. Um, this is true in, in, in regards to, to how God deals with us and how we deal with our kids. Um, this, this, is also, this is another reason why the ancients, why the pagans, believed it to be a bit of a magical process. There's, a, there's an old poem that I found. There's an ancient poem about this. Uh, there was a belief in one of the, I think it was one of the Norse uh, religions, um, that, that there were three ladies that would attend every, every child's birth. And uh, they had distaffs and they had spindles. And it says, uh, thence come the maidens, mighty in wisdom, three from the dwelling down neath the tree. Earth is one named, Verthandi the next, on the wood they scored, and Skull the third, laws they made there, and life allotted to the sons of men and set their fates. So the pagans kind of to... To, to, to weave out destinies. They had three, three witches or spirits that would come weave out destinies. But when God wants to talk about how he weaves out destinies, he talks about a mom. And I believe this is true also not just about a mother, but the influence of a mother, it's also true about a, a husband and a father. That when God wants to weave out destinies... When God wants to shape the next generation, he doesn't send three angels at their birth to pull some stuff together. He gives the child parents, and he asks the parents to grab the mess that is that child. <laughs> Come on, grab the, the, the mess. And what I mean, it's jumbled up, and it's not in a negative way. They just don't know who they are. Because they don't look like anything. They're the clump of flax that is just there. And the parent grabs bits of who they are and pulls it out. And says, look, this here is important. This is vital. We're going to, we're going to weave that together. And draws them out. And draws out who they are. So when God sets destinies, this is why, this, this is why spinning or shaping our children uh, requires... One, it's transformational, but two, it requires focus. You know, in all the pictures, and actually in all the videos that I watched as these women did these, this, this spinning, uh, they, the, the, their eyes are always so focused. You see her eyes are like so focused on, on her fingers because it's so important. This whole process is so important that you can't, you can't just take your eyes off. And many times when I find the way that we walk through life, and this is true in the way that we parent, this is true in the way that, that we do all of life, we kind of do it like this. <laughs> like, we're, we're so busy, like, on social media that we're just, you know, we're, we're so busy being entertained on Netflix that we're just, and we, we, we aren't focused. Honestly, the, the greatest challenge, that if you want to take any challenge away from today, how about you focus on the people around you? I mean, really focus. Say you have children, focus on the children. Say you have, have, just have a spouse, focus on your spouse. Where are they? What is going on in their life? What are they struggling with? What do they need right now? What is important right now? What can you 
be pulling out of them? What destiny can you be affirming? What about God's plan for them can you be promoting? Because oftentimes we're just kind of we're just kind of weaving together a life quite unintentionally and quite without any focus and quite accidentally actually. And then if anything goes wrong, we're so quick to, to, especially with our kids, to imagine that we know what's best. We know what they're thinking. We know what's going on. And they'll even tell us they're not thinking that. And we'll be like, oh, yes, you are. I know you. And it's like, we're like, we're not looking at them. We're not listening to them. And some of us grew up in homes where we were not looked at and we were not listened to. And we know how that feels. And it's unfortunate when we replicate the same process. We don't look at, we don't really know, we don't really listen. Because we, we imagine, oh, no, no, it's good, it's good. I, I, I can kind of feel it. I got a feel for it. <laughs> That's lovely. But have you actually talked to them? This, this old-fashioned ancient practice called talking. This is, this is how this works. You sit down with your kids you don't just ask them random questions, how is school, or how are you doing? You know, things that they can say, fine, fine, fine. No, you ask them specific questions. And maybe, I don't know, maybe in the coming weeks we'll talk about some of the specific questions I ask our kids. Um, I've, I, ever since they've been little, I've always tried to take a time, some time once a week to just sit down and have date nights. We've tried that, um, you know usually to McDonald's or Dairy Queen. Uh, so it's like we do date nights. We've tried that. Uh, currently, it's like once a week we sit down just as the two of them. And um, I whip out this, this, this book um, called um, the, the Basic Life Principles from something that, that, something that I grew up with that impacted me. This is like when you're intentional about something, then you're looking for resources. You don't imagine that you yourself have all the resources. You don't imagine that, well, I guess I'm just awesome at this because I'm breathing. I must be a great parent. Just awesome. No, 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 no. You need resources. If you want to help shape your kids, the first thing you might need to realize is you don't have everything in the toolbox that you need to shape them. So you're going to need to add to your toolbox. You're going to need to find some teachers on YouTube. You're going to need to find a good book. That's, that teaches you. Uh, if, you got, if you want some recommendations, I have some. But there's this, there's this book, and I was, I was feeling like, okay, I think I should take the kids through this. And I got to the first page. The first page is the six battles or the six challenges that we all face. Six battles of every young person. And as I was reading, I'm like, heck, this is the six battles of everybody in my church. Like, everybody in life. These are six. So I don't know. Maybe I'll do a sermon series on the six battles. But, but, we'll, we'll, but we'll cover these six things. The first one is assurance of salvation. So I'll ask the kids, all right, scale of one to ten, how saved do you feel right now? <laughs> like, how sure are you of your salvation? Because both of my kids, may not be true for you, but both of my kids have committed their life to Christ. They have been baptized. They are saved. But just because you are saved doesn't mean you're always going to feel saved. One of the great battles of faith throughout life, your pastor included, am I a child of God. I know I say I am. I know I got these experiences. I know I have this scripture, but do I feel it? Do I believe it? Is it real for me right now? Because all of hell is trying to convince me I'm not. Right? And so, and so, so we'll sit down. Another, the, next, the next one is self-image. 
right? So scale of one to 10, how do you feel about your body? What do you believe about your body? Because everybody in this room, we don't like our bodies. The most attractive person in this room has something, even I have something that I don't like, <laughs> just kidding, about my body. But no, everyone, the most beautiful model on the runway, she has something she doesn't like about her body. All of us look in the mirror and say, man, I wish something was different. And it's good to acknowledge that. It's good to recognize that, and it's good to do something with that, because Satan will certainly do something with that. He will get you to say, you know what, if God messed up there, God probably messed up somewhere else. If God can't be trusted here, maybe God can't be trusted here. Maybe God can't be trusted here. And so, and so it's my job as a parent to say, how are you feeling about your body? Let me tell you why you are the way you are. Let me tell you why you are the height you are. Let me tell you why. Like, like for instance, me and Ro, or me and, me, me and Madden are very similar. Ro and Micah are very similar. And so Madden takes after me, unfortunately. So it, it's, it's fortunate in some areas, and it's unfortunate in others, right? And so all growing up, my teeth were terrible. And it wasn't even my parents' fault. Granted, they didn't help a lot with all the sugar, the lack of brushing. Um, but both me and my brother ate the same amount of sugar, did the same amount of brushing. He never had any cavities. I had a ton of cavities. Not only that, but if you notice when I smile, I got these gaps in the front of my mouth. That's because God literally left out adult teeth in my mouth. I was born without two teeth. Less than 1% of the American population is born without two teeth. Like, I was going through the assembly line, and God was like, yeah, he's good. Like, I'm missing two front, like, couldn't even be in the back. No, these are in the front. Everyone's going to see those. And he's like, yeah, that's good enough. Oh, where's the quality control when I was going through the process, right? I mean, he got everything else pretty darn good, but my goodness, this is kind of important, right? And what happens is, like, I guess my saliva is extra acidic or something, and so it, like, breaks down my enamel. And, like, I'm getting all these cavities, and it's, like, ridiculous. So I've had so many, like, I could, I could preach for the next 30 minutes just about my dental horror stories. <laughs> and then uh, I have Madden, right? And Madden takes after me. And Madden and Micah both go to the dentist. They're just little, little, little kids. And Micah, you know, clean bill of health. And Madden's got a cavity. And the ladies, the ladies instructing us on, well, don't let them eat. Don't let them drink soda before bed. And we're like, they don't drink soda, period. Like, they've literally never had soda. Micah was fascinated the first time at age, I think, five. He had a you know, somebody, one of the church people gave him a Sprite. I don't know who it was, but those church people, they just hand out sugar to kids and just like, hey, and, uh, but no, Micah's fine. But Madden, it's like, man, it just hits her teeth. And so I'm driving, uh, Ro didn't want to do it. So I'm driving Madden back to the dentist to get a filling. And we're sitting outside, and honestly, I'd rather, like, as a dad, I'd rather be getting the filling myself, because I know what's about to happen. I'm going to be shot in the gums. That doesn't feel good. Drilling, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, oh, man, like, I have traumatic experiences with a dentist. I have PTSD. And now I have, now I have my daughter who's going to have this. And so I, so I said, look, let's just pray, okay? We're on the, <laughs> so we pray. I'm praying mainly for me, but I'm praying for her. And um, afterward, after that night, you know, we were, we were talking about it. And this is the great thing about talking with your kids. You can share with them what God has shared with you. 
because Madden pointed out the obvious, that it's just not fair that she has cavities and Micah doesn't. She's like seven years old. She's smart enough to figure that one out. And she says, no. And I said, well, why do you think that happened? She said, I don't know. I said, well, who, who made your teeth? Who gave you the set of teeth that you got? Well, that was God. Oh, and God doesn't do mistakes. Like he doesn't accidentally do anything. He does things that look like mistakes, absolutely. But he doesn't, it's not a mistake for him. He intentionally threw that interception. Like that was on, that was on, <laughs> that was on purpose. It looks like a mistake. I'm like, uh, but it was intentional. If God does everything intentional, why would God give you bad teeth and Micah good teeth? <laughs> she said, I don't know. That's not fair. I said, yeah, absolutely. The flesh wants to accuse God of not being good. And I sense that too. Because my flesh has also wanted to accuse God of not being good. But the Bible says he is good. And I've seen him in his goodness in several other areas of my life. And so I said, honey, look, this is what I've found. That my bad teeth has one has kept me more humble than I would have been if I would have had perfect teeth. And trust me, Micah's got something in his body that's going to keep him humble. Because God wants us to need him. And not only has it kept me humble, but it has also kept me relying on God. Because so many times I've been in the dentist chair <laughs> and I've needed God. And God will always put you in a position that you need him. And he knew I, he created me to be fairly competent in several areas. And so he said, I'll just have a big hole right here where Harry just always needs me. And I just, I'm, I'm just always needing him until I get dentures. And I've thought about it early. Like I talked to my cousin, he's a dentist. I'm like, so at age 35, can I just get dentures? Can we just take all these out? And he's like, Harry, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, dude, no, seriously. I think it's a good idea. There's a place in Mexico. They do it pretty cheap. Like I'm, I'm driving down there, you know? And he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm like, all right, all right, Chris, we'll think about it. He just wants my money, right? He goes, uh, no, he... I, 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 I said, girl, look, God's, God's going to keep you relying on him. God's going to keep you needing him. And what, and what you end up finding is, now you say, well, that's, I, I, I don't want to need him. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Now we get to the, the flesh that needs to be killed and crucified. And he graciously allows us to see how stubborn and prideful we are and how independent and how resourceful we are and how we don't like being the the flax in his hand we don't like being the mess we want to be the completed material we don't like being the one who's pulled but this is what he does and if we can allow him to do this in us, then we can also take our children on that same journey. Because just like God, like the, the whole purpose, if we can put that picture back up, the whole purpose is you, you, you basically, you stretch and then you twist or you strengthen. You stretch and then you strengthen. And this is what God's doing all the time in our lives. He's stretching us and then he's strengthening us. He's stretching us and then he's strengthening us. 
Now, if you're just into the flesh, you're just going to be in a rush, and it'll be stretch, 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 and your kids will be stretch, 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 and yourself will be stretch, 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 and you never take time to strengthen. You never take time to fortify. You never take time to congratulate. You never take time to celebrate. You just stretch, stretch, stretch. Oh, I just, I just got to get through this whole thing. I got to get to my, to the end of my destiny. Well, the end of your destiny. That's when you die. So, don't be in a hurry to turn off the lights just yet. God has plans for you, and the plans happen at, during the stretching and during the strengthening. And if you can understand that you're not incomplete as you're in process, you can also understand that your kids are not incomplete as they are in process. You can also understand the people on your job are not incomplete as they're in process. No, the, the completeness is within the process. That there's this process where God is pulling and he's stretching on you. He's getting you out of your comfort zone. Is God getting anybody out of their comfort zone lately? He's asking you to go a little further than you're used to going. He's pulling you, putting more on you and you say man I don't know I think I'm about to break but but God's eyes are watchful just like God wants you to be watching your kids God's watching you his eyes are all he the psalmist says he knows when you wake up he knows when you go out of the house he knows when you come back in the house he knows when you lay down why he's omniscient why does he gotta watch you <laughs> because he's showing what a good father is He's showing that he's observing and he's listening to your attitude and your tone even more than your wife is. He's, 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 he's aware of your tone. He's aware of your, where your eyes are going. He's aware of where your mind is going. He's watching your hair growing, and when one falls out, he keeps track of that. And, and when another grows out, he's, he's so intently focused on you, not to judge you, not to critique you, but to strengthen you, to say, let me add a little bit of this to their day. Let me encourage them in this way. Let me, let me, let me motivate them in this way. And he knows exactly what you need to be motivated. Knows exactly what is going to stir you up, what's going to fortify you, what's going to strengthen you. And if we can go back to the passage of scripture, I just want to close with this. I think this is one of the greatest ways that we that we actually do strengthen. If you just go back to verse 19. We we'll just go through the whole Pro Proverbs 31. Uh, in her in her hand, she holds a distaff and grasps the, the spindle with her fingers. Going when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Scarlet would be a reference to the cotton. Um, in the beginning of this passage, it says that she gets flax and cotton. So what's interesting, like, isn't it fascinating that the people around her are clothed by her? What if, what if everybody around you is wearing what you put on them? What if everybody around you is wearing what you have put on them? What if you see everybody based on what you put on them? What even if God's protection plan for those within your own household is what you would put on them? It says that she doesn't fear for the snow because her whole household is clothed in stuff she's been weaving together she's been making. Hmm. And I, this is, this, this, this I, th I think is the biggest thing that we, even her own husband, as you keep reading, we don't have to, but as you keep reading, you know, she, he's, he's, he's at the city gate, he's respected. 
He's wearing clothes. He's wearing a suit and tie or something. He's wearing whatever they used to wear then that would be for a person of honor. She herself is wearing linen. Her bed is, her, her home is comfortable based on what she has put on it. Her bed is comfortable. In other words, her place of rest, she's able to rest because of what she has put on it. That's not just true of women. This is men and women. What, what if our children are wearing the attitudes we've put on them? What if our spouse is wearing the confidence we've put on her? What if our coworkers are wearing the level of satisfaction we've put on them? What if those who work for us are wearing the level of fulfillment that we've put on them? What if we actually have the power to put stuff on people? To equip people, to help people who are going through a cold season not be so cold? What if we have the power to put, not just to protect them from the cold season that they're in, but what if we have the power to equip them for the the, the, the position of honor that they're trying to step into. What if you could equip your husband to step out with confidence simply by what you put on him? What if you could help your wife feel beautiful simply by what you put on her? She is clothed with strength and dignity. What if you could strengthen the people around you? What if you could put strength on them? What if you could put dignity on them? You say, yeah, yeah, how do I do that? Well, if you keep going, going on down to verse 25 and 26, I think it is, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. In other words, I think one of the biggest ways we clothe those around us is with our words. We speak clothes on them. We speak t-shirts and jeans and, or we speak rags or we speak a suit and tie and a tuxedo. Yeah, you can come on forward. That's great. <laughs> I was just looking at the suit and tie tuxedo guy. I'm like, yeah, speak. I can see Myron in a tux. No, like people, I think we have the power to clothe people, to clothe those most closest to us to clothe those around us with strength and dignity. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to get some clothes on your kids. <laughs> I know they already have clothes. Like, that's cool. But no, I want you to speak. Those of you watching from home. Actually, let's, let's just do that. Can, can we just stand? Can we just stand together? And just before we go into worship, what if we just started clothing each other? See, this is the stretching. This is what happens. You're going to get stretched right now. We're going to stretch you. You're watching from home. You thought you'd be all comfortable sitting there on the couch. We're going to stretch you. So on your couch, why don't you turn to your spouse if you're married and just say just, just even just one word, one word that you believe to be true about them that's positive that they can wear today. They can wear that word. Maybe... I don't know, husbands, maybe beautiful. That's, 
That's a great word. <laughs> uh, uh, wives, I don't know. You figure that one out. Uh, strong, faithful. You, you find a word that you know is true because you don't, you don't want to be the emperor with no clothes. You don't want a false word. <laughs> right? You don't want to give a fake word. You don't want to just kind of make something up. You want to speak something that only, only works with people that you know. You can't just share a word with people you don't know. But somebody that you do know at home, if you're a teenager, why don't, why don't you guys put some clothes on your teens? <laughs> speak a word over your teenager. Teenagers, speak a word over your parents. They need the clothes that you can clothe them on. They need the dignity and the strength that you can give them. So let's just do that. Even right here in this room, turn to somebody that you know. If it's somebody that you know, you can know them closely or various levels of knowing, I guess. Family, obviously, would be very knowledgeable. And just look at each other and just share a word that they can wear for today. Something that you've noticed, something that you've seen. Yeah. come to you and uh, let's just continue in worship here but ultimately we understand that man it all comes from Christ that he is our source we are extensions of him and so in that sense he uses us of those around us but ultimately he's the one who has given us our strength and our dignity so Jesus, we come to you today and we thank you for clothing us. That's what the psalmist said. He said, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels, but you have clothed him with glory and honor. You welcome us into your family and you give us a white robe to wear at the dinner table. Thank you for the righteousness that you have clothed us in. Lord, may we clothe those around us. May we equip them. We don't know what kind of cold season people are in. May we equip them to brave the weather. In Jesus.